the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right now, there's a situation brewing in the men's basic department. Men are being held hostage by overpriced brands that simply aren't mission-tested. That's why we're excited to tell you about Undertack, the only brand that's literally been battle-tested by special forces. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases. High-quality material that's antibacterial, anti-pilling, and moisture-wicking so you stay fresh and dry all day. Uh, I recently did a 30-mile run in preparation for an ultramarathon in a couple weeks wearing the Recon boxers, and they were absolutely incredible. I loved them. They have a quick-release fly and a secret pocket in the extra-wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. Undertack is durable, ultralight, fade-resistant, and shrink-resistant. And here's the best part, they're almost 30% less than the competition. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. Save 20% off your order with the offer code SITREP20. All one word, SITREP20. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That is a great American company that's unapologetically pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. That's getundertack.com. GetUndertack.com, offer code SITREP20. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you with me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnecker and I am your host today. Looking forward to a great conversation about really the media. We'll just say it very broadly, the media, but not news media. We've talked a lot about news media in the past, and we'll have other conversations about the news that we receive. But more specifically, talking about faith in films, talking about media, movies, television programs, other media that we consume and the impact it has on the decisions that we make, how we feel about what's going on in the world around us, and how we are entertained. And I'm looking forward to uh, this conversation. We had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to interview Kevin Sorbo at CPAC, uh, which is the Conservative Political Action Convention, uh, where we have an opportunity to meet so many people in the conservative movement. He was there. He stopped by on a moment's notice, sat down. We had a great conversation uh, about faith in media. It was fantastic. And he agreed to come back on once we got back in our studio. And so we have a conversation with him today. And as we get ready for that, it really is interesting to reflect on, to understand the power of media. And, and again, we can talk about the news, we can talk about all of those things, but the power of television, the power of movies, the influence that those things have on our lives, and we're seeing that every day now. Uh, I think back to the early days of television and movies, and although there have always been those who would use those mediums <laughs> to corrupt, to communicate a negative message, of course, we could go back as, as early as uh, the silent film area, I guess, and see some things that we would disagree with. But primarily in the mainstream, media was meant to, and particularly movies, were meant to inspire, to entertain. 
That was the goal. It was to entertain. We could look at television programs of the 30s and 40s and on into the 50s, even the 60s. And we know that so much of what we consumed or what our parents and grandparents consumed was intended to entertain. And if it could also deliver a positive message, that was fantastic. We always talk about shows like Leave it to Beaver, where uh, the family unit was so important. We talk about uh, these stories that are meant to encourage family connectedness and to encourage uh, character and morality and values. These are the, the stories, the television shows that were prime time. This is what families were watching. We could talk about other shows like uh, Father Knows Best, of course. One of my favorites, one of our favorites at, in our home is um, probably everyone's favorite, The Andy Griffith Show. Uh, Andy Griffith Show was so influential. And it was influential at a time when the world was really, in many ways, spinning out of control, as it feels like it is now. The war in Vietnam was just kind of getting started as that show was beginning We were coming out of the Korean War. Uh, That was on the heels of World War II. All of these things were happening. And in the midst of that, we have this very wholesome show about a small community, about people that cared for one another. There was always a lesson of moral value or character building. All of these things happened. And so it was in so many movies. Movies coming out of World War II were always about patriotism and heroism and those who went and did very difficult things. They were inspiring as much as they were entertaining. And then something happened. There was a shift that has taken place, and we may not be able to put our finger on it now, but we could go back to the end of the 50s and into the 60s, and as the Cultural Revolution was happening, there was a revolution taking place in film as well. Uh, We could argue, of course, that there was communism that was influencing film as early as the 30s and 40s. Uh, We could talk about those who had an agenda long before the 60s, but really that was brought to us In the 60s, the early 60s, the mid-60s, and certainly into the 70s, where the messages of morality and the messages of character and the messages of hope and those stories that were intended to inspire uh, really were few and far between. It was stories where there was a hero, but kind of the anti-hero. He was a bad guy, but he fought other bad guys, and so we celebrated him. Uh, So many movies and so many television programs uh, that lifted up that anti-hero idea or ideal. There were many films coming out of the Vietnam War that talked about uh, what happened in Vietnam, but not in a positive light, of course, not uh, as it relates to patriotism or the hope for America, but the negative things, the difficult things, the brokenness. And so much of that now was consuming media. We came into the 80s and it seemed like uh, there was a resurgence of family values. A lot of things happened in the 70s. The moral majority rose to what was a present and apparent majority. Christianity was on the rise. Faith was on the rise coming out of the 70s and into the 80s. That's what ushered in the era of Reagan. We could look at the economy and all of the things that Reagan put in place. Uh, But more than anything, he talked about patriotism. He talked about morality. He talked about how important family values were. And that was reflected in so much of the media that was being produced in the 80s. Again, there are 
many examples of negative media in the 80s, but there was a lot of good media as well. Uh, good movies. And that was the era, the kind of modern era of sitcoms. And so many of those sitcoms, uh, maybe some of the values we didn't agree with, but at the end of the day, the family was sitting around the table and they were working together to accomplish something important. We came into the 90s and things again began to change with the advent of the internet. We came into the late 90s and early 2000s. There was some streaming media. There was a streaming service that wasn't streaming called Netflix that uh, began to push out media kind of on demand. When we saw the on demand aspect of media, what we saw was a proliferation of film. <laughs> Uh, that had very little to do with entertaining and a lot more to do with just simply consuming our time. Values that matter to us, those Judeo-Christian values, morality and character and family were no longer the primary values. We now began to talk about individuality and how important it was for us to be able to push back against the establishment. And in so many ways, the establishment was faith and church and those other values we once cared about. Many of the movies that we would have looked to in the past were overwhelmed by movies filled with violence and sex and all of these other things that even talking about them makes me sound like I'm 100 years old. And that's the pushback. We have normalized this idea of ultraviolence and illicit sex in our entertainment to where now we stream it into our homes and don't even think about it. So many things have changed. One of the things that changed, though, in the process of all of that was what we now call faith-based films. There was a time where there really wasn't a need for a category called faith-based films. Maybe family films or even family-friendly films, but not faith-based films. You could find faith messages throughout certainly the 40s and 50s and into the early 60s. People going to church and worshiping together and these kind of, uh, again, Christian values, if not overt were certainly present. But as Hollywood moved further and further away from even caring about that faith message, a new genre of film and entertainment came up, faith-based films. Uh, we began to see exclusively faith messages, uh, movies that were written and directed and acted by people of faith. Early on, it was something that was uh, a bit of a curiosity, it was something that Hollywood would have looked at and dismissed because the studios had control over what was produced and independent films did not have a market or the ability to get to market. But again, as streaming services, as internet platforms, and now certainly as so many of the platforms that we all enjoy, many of us don't even have cable, we have the ability to stream on demand exactly what we want. Uh, when those opportunities presented themselves to normal people like you and me, we saw not only faith-based films increase and the production of faith-based films increase, well, what we also saw was the production of independent films, independent meaning uh, not tied to one of the large studios, independent films where filmmakers raised money, many of them raised them, uh, crowdsourced and continue to do that, raised money to produce films that they had written, they would direct, they had actors come along, and they were now making films independent of large studios. And because the production and the distribution was taking place on internet platforms, they could get those films out. Hollywood had to take notice. Uh, 
When Hollywood took notice of independent films, Hollywood also had to look at that independent genre of faith-based films. Larger actors, actors who had uh, large careers and long careers outside of faith-based media were now being attracted to a place where they could not only do what they did, not only ply their craft, if you will, but also stand for things that they actually cared about. And we've seen more and more of these films, and now the films are getting better, and the production value is getting higher, and the money being invested, again, more and more money all of the time. This is a good thing for people of faith. And yet another shift continues to take place. The shift that's taken place on the back of these faith films and independent films is largely what we call cancel culture. (laughs) Now, uh, cancel culture is demonized certainly on this show. We talk about it a lot. But we talk about cancel culture. What is cancel culture? It's this environment that we have in our culture that allows us through social media and other platforms to call out people that disagree with our point of view or disagree with the mainstream point of view, or disagree with what is considered politically correct. And if someone has an opinion about God, or about faith, or about even their own character, or the things that they believe politically, if they have a view on those issues that goes against what the mainstream would tell us is right, then they can be canceled. Now, you can't actually cancel a person. They are a person But what you can do is remove their ability to communicate their message. So what's happened? The studios had control. The studios largely have lost control to streaming services and other platforms. Because of that, independent media has really uh, made a huge impact on the world of entertainment. Along with that are these faith-based films and now faith-based studios and other faith-based exclusive platforms. And so the response from those who don't like the message that is being put out is, if you participate in a faith-based film, if you participate in a family-friendly film, not connected to one of the large studios, we will simply cancel you. Your opinion will no longer be heard. What you believe is no longer valid. You can do that over there, but you cannot do it in the public square on places like Facebook and on places like Twitter or on YouTube, these other social media platforms. Canceling has taken place. Kevin Sorbo, who we're going to talk to in just a minute, uh, talks about being canceled from a platform like Facebook and other places. Uh, It talks about being canceled in mainstream or uh, big Hollywood. But again, thankfully, because... So much has been deconstructed. The control has been taken away from so many of the people that once controlled it. We have independent filmmakers, faith-based filmmakers, have, having direct access to the consumer. And that's where we are today. I think back to, to movies that, uh, as a young person, motivated me. <laughs> Um, I was raised really throughout the middle of the 80s and into the early 90s before I became an adult and went off to college and did the things that I did. But so many of the films that I watched were films about what happened in World War II. They were about patriotism. They were about heroes. They were about men and women that did things and lived for purposes bigger than themselves. And that stirred something in me because seeing that played out, uh, our heroes like John Wayne and others, It made us want to stand up and do something important and do it for a big reason. And 
One of those reasons was that we loved our country and certainly we were thankful for the faith that had been handed down by those who went before us. And we wanted to stand up for something that actually mattered. This motivated us. This made us or caused us to make decisions about our lives going forward. The same can be said for the other side of Hollywood. The violence the illicit sexual uh, demonstrations and really exploitation that takes place in so many films. The other messages that are pushed forward in film that would be contrary to uh, what the Bible says, certainly, the Judeo-Christian values, values of character and morality, those have an impact on people as well. And what we're seeing today in the lives of men and women who are living so far from what would be considered a godly or Christian life, a moral life, largely that is the consequence or the result of film, whether it's movies, situation comedies, those sitcoms, other television programs that are on that are available 24 hours a day and influence the way we think and the way we act and the way we interact with one another. There is great power. And while that film once raised a generation that was happy to stand up and do the right thing, we're now bearing the fruit, if you will, of so much of the media that's been pushed to us that undermines what is good and what is helpful and what is wholesome and what is uh, beneficial (laughs) to society and to culture and to our country. So the advent of faith-based film, the advent of family-friendly film, we know will also motivate the feelings and thinking of people who want to live lives in line with their created purpose. And so when we have the opportunity to have someone like Kevin Sorbo on, we need to take advantage of that opportunity. When we have the advantage or the opportunity to talk about uh, these films that um, some of them aren't even uh, ex- explicitly Christian, but they hold a message that is one we can get behind. We need to get behind it. And if Christians will support these films, if people who care about the future of our country will support these films and get behind these films, uh, we can change culture. So many have understood that as we control entertainment, we control culture, and now we have the opportunity to take that back and control entertainment in a way that will control, or at least motivate, or inform culture in a way that is positive rather than negative. I am so thankful for the opportunity to speak once again to today's guest who can break this down for us. Also an entertaining conversation. We get to learn a little bit more about uh, his early days on Hercules, and that's where most of us first met Kevin Sorbo. But uh, thankful that he would come on and talk about these things, that he's so open and so honest about his own journey and his uh, experience in Hollywood. And uh, as you'll see in just a moment, he has no problem calling out those who are uh, really seeking to, and, and in many ways are, undermining the cultural values of the United States. Very grateful for our guest today, Kevin Sorbo.
My guest today is Kevin Sorbo. You know Kevin. He needs very little introduction. Actor, writer, producer, director, just about everything else. Um, And it's awesome to have him on. We met at CPAC, did a very short interview, which was uh, really cool. And he agreed to come back on and uh, so excited about it. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us again. Good to be here. Good to see you again. Sorry, Sorry I missed you last week. Well, no, it was, a, it was a great event. We were talking about uh, NRB. It was, it was fantastic. But, um, man, there's so much going on, and, and the world is so crazy. There's a lot to talk about. But I uh, uh, just really appreciate you jumping on with us. Um, I want to get to some real issues here and some real things we can talk about. But I thought we'd start with this. Maybe uh, you can tell us a little bit about some of your favorite moments from your career. You've had a long career. You've done an awful lot. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments, some of the things that stick out to you as kind of unforgettable? Well, I mean, I'm obviously getting Hercules, you know, initially, initially it was supposed to just be five, two hour movies a year down in New Zealand. And uh, by, episode, by movie three, I was told by Universal before they even put it on the air anyway, they didn't screen any movies anywhere. They just said, we love what we see, stay down there. And we stayed for seven years by season three, became the most watched show, show in the world. And of course, the highlight was uh, meeting my future wife, who we've been together for 24 years now. So um, that, that didn't hurt at all. Um, another one would be my second series, Andromeda. I was a huge Star Trek fan, and to be the first captain after Captain Kirk, created by Gene Roddenberry, Captain Dylan Hunt, uh, was an honor as well. And then, um, you know, I've done 70 movies, but I'm really proud of the, you know, the dozen or so movies I've done that are more along the family-friendly, faith-based world. And uh, the first one I did was with Je- uh, Dallas Jenkins, who's doing The Chosen now. But uh, I got involved uh, you know, with a movie called uh, What If? And that sort of set the road for me to want to do more movies. that Not necessarily faith-based movies, but movies that have good values and good morals. Uh, love, laughter, forgiveness, redemption, faith. You know, things that Hollywood doesn't do. Right, and that's what sure. I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are, uh, are there any stories that stick out? Hercules was great. And, and you know, that would, for me and a lot of people, that was where we first met you. Um, what are some stories about, uh, about that time that are sure. special to you? Well, I think just working in New Zealand, I worked with such an amazing crew. Really, most of the crew down there was pretty green. Um, you had people in key positions, you know, and they brought in directors that had already had already worked. But, um, you know, from the extras to focus pullers to lighting guys, there were a lot of people that were just sort of, we were like a training ground for them. And, and Peter Jackson um, wanted to uh, see how the crew was always developing because he took about 90% of my crew when we were up finishing up our seventh season and stole them all to work on Lord of the Rings, and they all went on to win Academy <laughs> Awards and stuff. So it was uh, it was pretty cool to be part of that growth down there and, and really help get the industry going in New Zealand. We were, Hercules was a big part of that. We had two spinoff series, so uh, it was a pretty successful venture down there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one of the questions that um, I think has come up, and, and this is something I've, I've wondered about, is your own faith journey, and you're very outspoken about your faith and sure. um, very involved in faith films and so forth. Uh, what, what, was, what was your journey to faith? When did you become a Christian? What was the kind of the catalyst for that in your life? Well, I think I've, I've always been a Christian as far as I know. I mean, I grew up with it. I grew up in a small town, Minnesota, about a half hour west of Minneapolis. And um, typical Scandinavian, I'm Norwegian, and uh, the Lutheran church was all, a bunch of Lutheran churches all around that mm-hmm. state. And uh, so it was always there, but, you know, something that really sticks out in my mind was when I was 13 years old, our church went to see the Reverend Billy Graham speak at the St. Mm. Paul Fairgrounds. Mm. And there were like 250,000 people there from all over the state and other states that came in as well. Um, 
And at the end of his uh, sermon, uh, he said, if you want to come up and speak with any of our volunteers, please come up. And something I normally wouldn't have done. Um, I was the last guy to want to raise my hand in right. class. <laughs> so I, I went up and I sat down talking to this guy. It was a hot August night. Um, the full moon was out. And as we're just sitting on the ground talking, a hand goes on my head and I turn around and there it is, Billy Graham. Wow. And he's got the moon right behind his head. It's like this. This oh you know moment is just and he, he he we talked he prayed for me and uh, of course that just stuck with me forever and I ended up being in a Chicken Soup with a Soul did a hardcover book for Billy Graham the only hardcover book they've ever done and they heard that story and I got to write one of the chapters in that book so that was kind of a cool thing yeah that's pretty awesome and what from there through your acting career and you know a lot of the work that you've done. Uh, what caused you to begin to focus on the more faith or family-friendly movies? W was there an event, or was it just the natural course of who you are? It was a natural course of who I am, and I I did notice. You know, one thing I to give I got to give the writers credit on Hercules because even though it's mythological, they always wrote in good stories. There's a lot of humor in there, but there was a lot of good moral messages in there, and um, it wasn't pushing any religion of any kind. It was just saying that you know, be a, you can be a good person. You know, you can come upon situations that are that are uncomfortable and filled with anger and hate, and you can get around those situations with uh, with words instead of violence. Because Hercules never fought unless he absolutely had to. And when he did, they always made it very funny. You know, I'd throw a guy through a bar uh, <laughs> wall and it'd be the cut out of his body there, you know. And, right. um, but I, it really, I, I noticed that Hollywood was doing more and more movies that really dealt with anger and hatred and divisiveness and celebration of the, of the anti-hero, which I never quite could understand. Why you want to celebrate yeah. the bad guy? Right. And uh, I decided then and there, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do movies that have a, you know, that the good guy wins, that there's a good message in there, that there is good and there is evil out there and you can't have one without the other. So uh, I wanted to put more, more good into movies and Hollywood just doesn't want to do those kind of movies. And it's interesting. And you see the way it plays out. Walt yeah. Disney said way back in the 1950s, uh, he said that uh, movies and television will influence our youth. Well, all you got to do is look what's playing out in our streets. Right. Uh, with the violence and anger and hate out there, uh, I think the movies and I think our mainstream media have a lot to do with that. And uh, also our public education system, which is appalling and pretty much is just an indoctrination for kids to uh, to um, just even hate America, which is incredible to me. And I, I don't get it. I don't I don't get why we want to destroy the greatest country that was ever created and turn it into other countries that are filled with nothing but hate and uh, socialism and communism. I, I keep telling all the liberals here, if you really believe in that, then go to North Korea, right. go to Cuba, sure. go, go down to Venezuela. There's your utopia. It's waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny, um, and I'm sure you can speak to this, but over the course of your career, certainly, we have come to a place now where we, we talk about cancel culture and and this idea that if you disagree with someone's position yeah. on a social or a moral or even a spiritual issue, you can just cancel them out. And you speak a lot about this. Can you can you kind of flesh that out for sure. us? This this idea of cancel culture, even you know, in film and media. I mean, we're experiencing it everywhere. Oh yeah. I mean, where did we come to that? Where people, where these, pardon my friends, but I think they're a bunch of wusses that they they. they I'm sure these yep. people don't like who they are. They're filled with their own anger, hate. You know, this is where misery loves company. They don't want to drag you and me down in the black hole that they live in. Right. Right. And uh, I've been canceled from Facebook uh, about a year now and for saying stuff that if I said it today, they wouldn't cancel me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the final thing that took me out of Facebook, I was, look, I was looking at the numbers 
of, of COVID and the numbers of deaths that they said were deaths from COVID and the numbers of deaths that they said from the flu. Well, the flu averaged 40, 50,000 deaths a year for eight decades. Well, in 2020, there were only 500 people died from the flu. So I said, <laughs> wow, it looks like COVID has cured the flu. Cleared the now flu. Now is That's more information. That's your final straw. And I, I put it out there to, to show a joke and also remind people that, look, these numbers are in, either deflated or inflated. And it's a lot of lies. And even now, the 850,000, 900,000 deaths that they're saying from COVID, Johns Hopkins University came out and said those, those, uh, those numbers are inflated by 90%. 90%. And uh, where's the mainstream media talking about that, right? And they also came out saying that with all the mandates, all the flus, all the shots, all the boosters, everything that they've done, that they figure in the last two years, the lives they've saved are saved are 0.02%. Mm. After all this ridiculousness going on, the body is set up for natural immunity. And for yeah. some reason, there's a lot of big money in the big pharma. And these guys don't want us having our bodies do what they've been doing since the, 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 the dawn of man. They want to constantly control our lives and make us take all these stupid shots that, as you know, people are getting sick and dying from these right. shots more than people dying from COVID now. But they don't want to report that either. When you look at the movie industry, do, do you... Do you believe that, you know, kind of these A-list actors, maybe even, you know, some lesser known actors, that they really buy into the agenda that they have to support, they have to get behind, these movies are promoting? Or are there other kind of uh, closet conservatives and people who would speak up if they could, but because of cancel culture, they are afraid to lose their jobs, to lose their influence? Uh, What's the... Sure. I feel I feel like there are people who actually care about what's right, but they're afraid to say something. Oh, yeah. I, and I know a lot of them. I've worked with them over the last few years saying, hey, thank you for being such a strong voice for us out there. And then why don't you be a strong voice? And I yeah. go, dude, they'll kick, me out of, they'll kick me out of Hollywood. They kicked me out of Hollywood 10 years ago. Hollywood was already doing cancel culture before it became a term. Mm. So it's just because I'm a conservative and a Christian, Hollywood booted me out. But thank God for independent movies, because I love the industry. I love making movies. I love being on the set. I love the creative process. Um, Hollywood doesn't owe me anything, but it's, it's, it's sad to me. I don't harbor that kind of hate and anger towards people who have a different point of view, but they do. And you got the cancel culture you're talking about. I've already lost jobs. I've already lost even going to autograph shows because of Hercules and Andromeda. People go, oh, he shows up or in a riot, and these people wow. fall for it. I go, what, so 10 people in the email said they don't want me there, but the 2,000 people that are there who want right. to meet me, they're happy. I, mean, I said, you get more press if I actually show up. And these <laughs> punks aren't going to come up to me anyway. They don't have the balls to come up and face me. Face. Yeah, right. They know who I am. Right. I would love to, I would love to meet, meet the people that are that, you know, at least meet my accusers and have a civil conversation, seriously, because I'm trying to figure out the way these people think. So um, it, 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 it's, it's frustrating for me. It's frustrating that so many other conservatives out there won't speak up. I tell people all the time at speaking events, I'm not here to wake up the sheep. The sheep are lost people. I'm here to wake up the lions. That's what mm. we need to wake up. Yeah, that's good. Do you think that there will be a shift in... Um, in Hollywood as, you know, things like, I think you put this on Twitter a couple of days ago that there are no more conspiracy theories because they've all come true. And even Hollywood has to look at some of what's happened and go, we can't keep pushing that message because it's clearly not true. Will they ever come around or is there something bigger that they're pushing? And it's, it's very confusing to understand their agenda. Do you think they'll ever kind of moderate, become, you know, more not conservative, but maybe middle of the road? Or are they just so far gone that that's what we can expect? 
I think they're so far gone. I think the only thing that's going to save, save uh, the industry is really more and more independent movie producers out there. They're saying enough is enough. Hollywood is so entrenched into the, the, the BS of, of their own uh, agenda. And it's, it's, it's all about fear and control, just like the government, right? Fear right. is their biggest weapon. You know, I still see people walk around in their cars with double masks on. Uh, they've already come up with masks are completely useless. But I think Hollywood and I think the airlines are going to hold on to that control over our lives for as long as they possibly can. Even though it's been proven now, the masks do nothing. They do absolutely nothing. But we got to, you know, to me, I keep telling people we got to fight back. We can't be afraid. We can't let these people sit to control our lives the way we do. But Hollywood is just, it's incredible to me. They're making too much money off of it. Mm. They're, they're making, you know, if you want to do, say you, you want to shoot a, a $5 million movie, you're going to spend $500,000 on these stupid COVID tests. They have COVID people on the set. Make, wear your mask all the time. Oh, we got to do three tests, you know, every week. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And that's, it's just another avenue for them to make, keep making more money. And uh, I don't think they want to give it up because they like the power and they like, like the control. Um, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, the CEO of American Airlines, came out over a month ago saying it's enough with masks on airplanes because it to- the air is totally recirculate, you know, yeah. recharged, saved every two minutes. And it's one of the safest places to be. I mean, we can sit there at the Super Bowl, 90,000 people shoulder to shoulder, not wearing masks. But yep. on an airplane, ooh, it's very scary. And... Um, the, uh, the and they want aviation wanted FAA wanted to get rid of it, but the the uh, the uh, flight attendants union came in and said, no, we want to keep it going because these flight attendants love their little power in airplanes yes. to yell at you because it's not over your nose. I mean, it is crazy <laughs> what we're doing right now, and it's it's and I'll tell you what, there's there's a backlash, there's gonna be a bigger back, backlash coming up against airlines. Trust me. Are you uh, optimistic about the independent films and independent outlets that you have worked with and see rising up? I, I find optimism in the fact that there are people who have said, I don't need to be part of the mainstream to do my thing. But is that something that you're optimistic about? Oh, there's no question. No question. Because you've got so many talented people on both sides of the camera that don't want to work within the mainstream of Hollywood. They love doing these independent movies. They're working with, with crews out there that are more positive, more upbeat, and they're just as talented as anybody in Hollywood, trust me. And, um, you know, you've got enough people out there that want to do movies that are, are uplifting, that are positive, and, uh, like I said, filled with love and laughter and hope and faith. And Hollywood doesn't want to do those movies for whatever reason. It, it blows my mind. Uh, their ideology is so bent against anybody who wants to send out a positive message. It's just weird. They want to stick with right. things that is filled with violence. These are the same hypocrites that, you know, if there's a school shooting, they come out with these A-list actors saying, we got to stop it. And these are the same right. actors that do movies right. with guns killing 100 people every movie they do. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, right. it's, it's laughable of what these guys do. Yeah, it's uh, you wonder how much their influence is pushing people to do things like that, and then they condemn it, and um, how much of that is guilt, perhaps. I, I don't, I, I don't know, but uh, it, it is. It's crazy to watch, um, but there are a lot of good people doing good things, and I'm very thankful, even for you know streaming services that allow us to have access to those things. Uh, you're involved in a bunch of new projects as well right now. What um, what are some of the things that you're working on, and some of the things that you're excited about? Well, I have four movies in the bag from last year. Two of them I directed. One's called Miracle in East Texas. It's a wonderful true story set in 1930, right in the heart of the Depression. We got uh, I'm in it. I directed it. Uh, John Ratzenberg is in it. Lou Gossett Jr. is in it. Tyler Maine's in it. Uh, my wife, Sam Sorbo, did an amazing job, and this one is out well. Hopefully, that'll be out sometime later this year. 
I got another one. I just finished the Ronald Reagan movie with Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid plays Reagan. I played his pastor nice. in it. That's coming out around uh, Thanksgiving. I've got um, a wonderful documentary coming out. So follow up to one I did last year, which was the number one documentary on Amazon for five months. It's called that was called Before the Wrath. I tell people to go to beforetherath.com. This one's called Eating with the Enemy, mm. and I love this title. It deals with the Last Supper and the disciples, and that's going to be out later this year as well. So Eating with the Enemy, please look for that one. And I just finished directing up in Canada. I directed a movie called, uh, based off the Left Behind books. Uh, Left Behind books sold like 80 million copies. It deals with the rapture and everything. And, the, and uh, this one is called Rise of the Antichrist. Left Behind Rise of the Antichrist. I just finished my edit. So now it's with the rest of the team to put in the proper sound and music and coloring and uh, special effects and everything else. And hopefully that will be out by summertime as well. That's awesome. Who, who wrote um, Eating with the Enemy? Who wrote that one? Uh, Brent Miller. It's a documentary. Brent Miller's company does these things. They do a great job. They're known for the uh, wonderful work that they do. It's um, it's just it's it's just a great movie. Oh, and this one was in theaters for about four months last year. I highly recommend this one. It's Mir- uh, the Girl Who Believes in Miracles. I'm in the movie with Peter Coyote and Mir Sorvino as well. Really good family movie. And I've always got to plug this one. This one was. Uh, this one that Sean Hannity funded, it was in theaters for four months. It's called Let There Be Light. I directed this one as well. It's a really good family yeah. movie. And uh, to get all these things, for all the information, I always tell people to go to SorboStudios.com. It's SorboStudios.com. And you want an autograph copy? We'll send one to you. That's awesome. Kevin Sorbo, thank you so much, man. That was, uh, that was fantastic. Hopefully we can connect again. And uh, maybe the next conference we both find yeah. ourselves at, we can, uh, we can sit down and talk again. But thank you for doing it. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. They're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope. And that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. Glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, These men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. 
Another great conversation with Kevin Sorbo. Thankful that he would come on not once, but twice. And uh, really very grateful for his stand for family values and for faith. Uh, he really has been on the leading edge of that. And uh, man, you don't see that very often. And it's, it's great to be able to have that conversation. Very thankful for him, thankful for what he's doing. And I highly encourage you, if you are not already, to go and uh, watch so many of his recent films. Um, and watch out for his films that are uh, soon to be coming out. He talked about these things, and we'll promote those out, of course, as we have the opportunity to do that as they get closer. And uh, just a big thank you to Kevin for coming on. For those of you that are listening to this podcast, make sure that you are subscribed. Whatever platform it is that you're listening from, make sure you're subscribed. That is the only way you'll be notified when new episodes are pushed out. And we have episodes coming out at least three times a week. Want to make sure that you're getting those as soon as they do. So go ahead and subscribe there. Uh, Also, you can go over to the Salem Podcast Network and uh, find this podcast and so many other great podcasts there. Uh, Over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've had the opportunity to interview many of the podcast hosts that are on Salem, the Salem Podcast Network. And I'd encourage you to check that out. And that would be awesome as well. And I will remind you, as I do often, uh, if you are interested in the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, and we talk about this a lot, uh, please go over to MightyOaksPrograms.org and uh, you can learn more about the work that we do with veterans, active duty service members, and first responders. And uh, we'd love to have you connect there, reach out to us, let us know if you have any questions, and we'd be happy to answer those for you. Again, thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.